Hello again. This is Eric Sinrod from the Dwayne Morris International Law Firm. I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Jonathan Armstrong, across the pound, pond, I almost said pound, uh, the <laughs> pond in the UK at Quartery. Uh, we're bringing you your weekly Tech Law 10 podcast where the law and information technology intersect. And this week, Jonathan, while it's not snowing over there where you are, to my knowledge, you are thinking Snowden and some ramifications. Am I getting that right, Jonathan? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. In fact, we have what we call an Indian summer, so some pleasant weather in lieu of a real summer. But the uh, storm clouds, like the link, Eric, the storm clouds here are really in the world of data protection in the last week or so. And we've had a truly significant development, I think, with the phase two, if you like, of the Max Schrems litigation. Now, we've talked about it before, but as a recap, uh, Mr. Schrems is this guy who was suing and still is suing Facebook in connection with uh, a number of things relating to his personal data. He came over to California, your neck of the woods, sat a class there, which was apparently given by one of Facebook's in-house lawyers, and he developed a beef against Facebook. Now, part of his litigation was against uh, the Irish regulatory regime. Facebook's international operations are controlled by an Irish entity, and so as a result, they're subject to data protection laws in Ireland. Schrems asked the Irish Data Protection Commissioner to intervene to look at Safe Harbour, and the Irish courts currently have that dispute. They referred it to the European Court under a procedure that exists in Europe for issues like that to be determined by the central court uh, of the European institutions in Luxembourg. I'm oversimplifying as I go. And this preliminary ruling is set to be decided by the court in Luxembourg. It'll then be referred back to the Irish court to make a decision. But the interesting thing here is that the common procedure is that the court asks one of its lawyers, the advocate general, to take an initial look at the merits of the case. And the Advocate General reported last week in quite a long and involved uh, opinion. Now, the court's not bound to follow that opinion, but the provisional opinion was that uh, not only was the Irish court competent to review whether Safe Harbour was valid or not, but he also went on to say that he thought that the safe harbor scheme was was more or less invalid now. And the reason he seemed to give for that was that now that uh, Edward Snowden had made his revelations, we knew that the U.S. authorities were, if you like, bad government citizens in terms of respecting the privacy rights of individuals based in Europe, and as a result, uh, the data of Europeans was not safe in American hands, and so, in, in, in his ruling, 
there's a very uh, large question mark over the entire safe harbor regime. Now, that's very significant indeed. I mean, it's significant enough that um, my colleague Andre Bywater and I made a short film on this, and we've already had uh, more than 120 shares on social media of that film. And it affects many very large U.S. corporations. I mean, currently, there are around about 5,500 U.S. corporations who've signed up to Safe Harbor. Now, some of those registrations are not current, but there are a number of very large U.S. corporations who rely on the Safe Harbor scheme. And as a quick recap, what you do is you elect uh, to follow the safe harbor principles. And as a result, you have advantages in terms of transferring data back to the U.S. from Europe. Uh, if you don't un undertake safe harbor, then the situation for most is very complicated. And the difficulty of this Advocate General's opinion, if it follows, is that some 5,000 plus major U.S. corporations will have to find a different way of transferring data back to the U.S. And if that wasn't significant enough, it's far more significant than that because many more than those 5,000 rely on safe harbor to legitimize part of their data transfer. So, for example, if I'm a U.S. corporation operating in Europe, I'm probably going to use a payroll provider that's in Safe Harbor, and I'm relying on, on Safe Harbor to legitimize that data transfer. I'm probably using an ethics helpline for my employees to call, again relying on Safe Harbor. I'm probably using a system like Concur, for example, to manage travel on behalf of my employees, again relying on Safe Harbor. Uh, I'm probably using Safe Harbor to legitimize the data flows in connection with my website, particularly if I'm an online uh, shopping, uh, you know, if I have an online shopping offering. I'm probably using Safe Harbor to legitimize the data that I'm collecting on my uh, website to do things like um, analyze the hits to my website and so on and so on. So, for most large corporations or even medium corporations, there are probably 20, 30, 50 vendors where they rely on Safe Harbor to legitimize those data flows. So I think it's, it's a very technical sounding issue, but it has huge ramifications. And I think for most uh, U.S. organizations particularly, they do need to do some work now to think of a plan B if the court upholds the Advocate General's opinion. As I say, very consequential. Headline news, which data protection privacy still rarely is on the BBC, and something that I think is sending shockwaves from those, uh, the feedback that we've had from clients and people we know uh, along the U.S. corporate community. And I'm wondering how the world of California has reacted to the news coming out of Luxembourg in the last few days, Eric. Yeah, thank you for the description, Jonathan. And how we're reacting is we're trying to understand it. So you've talked about 
this advocate general's opinion. At one point, you called it a ruling. As I understand it, it's a memorandum, so it's not really having the force and effect of law yet. And I guess what I'd like to hear from you, because you're more well-versed in this over there, what do you expect next? I mean, we're aware of the potential. Maybe there are already shock waves, uh, but it's not yet quite an actuality, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, companies here should be thinking proactively in terms of if this actually has the force and effect of law. But um, what are the next steps, and, and what's the timing, Jonathan, and what, and what do you predict? Help us out. Well, I think firstly, my gut feel would be that the U.S. authorities have an opportunity to show that safe harbor isn't just a dead letter. Now, as we know, and we've talked about this on our podcasts, the FTC have stepped up enforcement. I think we can certainly expect to see more of that. You're right that uh, uh, Bott's uh, opinion is just an opinion. It isn't binding on the court. And, for example, in the Right, right to be Forgotten case uh, last year, one of the most significant cases last year, the court went the opposite way to the Advocate General's opinion. I think there'll be a process of maybe three months-ish where the court digests what the Advocate General uh, has said before we get the final ruling. That's, that's purely, purely a guess. And obviously, there are allegations, which may have been turned out to be unfounded, that these proceedings were deliberately being stalled. The Advocate General's opinion was about two months late, and those people close to Schrems thought that this was suspicious in light of some uh, negotiations ongoing between the EU and the US. So it's an understatement to say this is political, but I think for most organizations, it's, uh, it, they do have to do something now to have a plan B. Because even if the court decides that safe harbor is valid, it's bound, the, the, those opposing safe harbor are bound to find ammunition in Advocate General Bott's opinion because it is studious, it is reasoned whether you agree with it or not. And of course, this will all patch in to this wider debate on the EU regulation, which we've talked about a lot, which is going through the political process now, but also the EU directive, which we've not talked about too much, this new directive on data sharing for things like crime, etc. And so all of this gets bundled into the same political debate. And even if the, uh, the pro-data transfer lobby win in court, there's a danger that they could lose the political battle now that there's this ammunition, ammunition that Bot's opinion provides. Well, very interesting. And you know, we are aware generally here, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, in broad brush strokes, I think we can say that Europe over the years has been uh, more uh, stringent in uh, privacy protection, and that's why there has been the concern about data flow from Europe to the U.S. and what protections we may have here, you know, hence uh, the development ultimately of the safe harbor, and now uh, which would, uh, you know, allows for data flow 
under certain circumstances. Uh, this, you know, we could teach a course on this, and probably you more than me. Uh, <laughs> but you know, what we're looking at now is a potential threat to safe harbor, and then how companies then can go about allowing for data flow. And you know, from, from a super big picture, you know, you know, the internet knows no true, you know, geographic boundaries. The world is becoming mm -hmm. a lot smart, smaller, and so it is important for you know companies and countries and people to be, be able to uh, interact across boundaries. And I think you probably agree with that. Yeah, no, absolutely true. So, good topic, Jonathan. Uh, we'll be interested in seeing where this goes. I, I'm sure we'll be talking about this at some point again. We hope you'll join us next week. Continue to supply us with uh, further ideas for discussion. I'm Eric Sinrod at DwayneMorris.com. My email address is ejsinrod at DwayneMorris.com. Please feel free to contact us. Uh, you can find us on the usual social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Your communications with us are fine, even if you're crossing uh, uh, international borders with your electronic communications. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you close it out? Yes, thanks for listening. Uh, Jonathan.Armstrong at CordryCompliance.com. We will post a link, uh, which is on our uh, website as well to the video we talked about. Do feel free to engage over YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, whatever you want that you think is uh, Snowden free. And uh, we'll speak to you again in a week or so. Thanks for listening. All right, cheers. Uh, uh, uh.